you know, um, one of the things I really love is the word of God and the way in which God keeps speaking to us. You can get a scripture, but when you unpack that scripture, you're like, I've known this scripture for years, but I didn't know this aspect of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so let's believe God that he's going to speak to us very deeply and very powerfully this morning because I believe that this can potentially be a life-changing message depending on how we hear it. Amen. So we're continuing with the school of advanced prayer. The school of advanced prayer. Say to the person next to you, this is the school of advanced prayer. And this particular message this morning is for people who want that advanced level, okay? This is not for everyone. This is not for everyone. It's for those who want to be advanced in the school of prayer. Amen. And uh, we've been talking about prayer that gets results. And I said to you, I'm a results person. I hope you are too. Because we don't want to waste time playing religious games. We want to pray in a way that is effective. And we want to make sure we get results. Now, there's a guy who's a giant in prayer. And his name is Z.T. Fomom. And from one of his books, a book called The Way of Victorious Praying, uh, I'm going to just read a quote for you. He says, God is calling a band of overcomers to cooperate with him to a degree that he is not calling others who believe in his son and love him. So you can believe in Jesus, you can love Jesus, but you might not do everything that I'm going to be preaching about this morning. Right? There's a unique calling he is calling a few to whom he wants to reveal in a special way his final plan for the battle against Satan and his hosts. When he finds such people and reveals his purpose to them, they will make importunate knocking their one business and so cooperate with God to bring his kingdom. Such people will pay a very high price, loneliness, intensity, Intensity in prayer, ever-increasing wrestling, increased attacks from hell. But they are people who will neither rest night or day, nor give God a second's rest, but pray until the Lord appears in the clouds to establish the kingdom. Will you pay the price? Will you enroll? Finally, remember, God wants to know how serious we are. He will not deal with people who are not serious. Ask the person next to you, are you serious? <laughs> there are many things that God has for you. This is so powerful. There are many things that God has for you and for the church that you will not experience until you trouble and weary him with your prayers over a sustained period of time. A man or woman who wants God's will to be done at any cost will pray night and day. Such praying is not just simple phrases being thrown at God. It is a matter of life and death, requiring tears, agony, heartache, and wrestling. You see why I said today's message is not for everyone. Amen. I want to encourage you to be that person who says, God, I want to go to my next level. In this school of advanced prayer, I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. And you can make that decision. It's an act of the will. You can make that decision this morning. And so today I'm going to deal with just one ingredient when it comes to prayer that gets results. 
And this is the ingredient. Embrace your watchman role. Embrace your watchman role. We're going to talk about being a watchman this morning. The role of a watchman. And those who will embrace it will go to another level when it comes to the ministry of intercession. The word and the number of words in the original language in the Hebrew that are translated into watchmen, but one of them is the word tzafah, and it means to look out expectantly, to look about, to look eagerly. It also means to spy. It comes also from an interesting uh, combination of words when you look at it in the Greek, and it's the word agruo and hupnos, and it literally means sleepless and wakeful. So it's almost the opposite of sleeping. So when we talk about watching, we're talking about being awake, we're talking about being sober, we're talking about being alert. Is everyone following? Okay, that's, that's what watching is to do with. It's also an interesting word, especially when we talk about God watching over us and those who watch over. And it's the word shamam. And that's a word in the Hebrew which means to guard or to keep. So you cannot talk about being a watchman if you're not going to talk about keeping and guarding and watching over. How many of you know that Adam had to watch over the garden? Amen? So it's a watching that involves nourishing and nurturing something, looking after. So you cannot say, I want to be a pastor over a church, but at the same time not talking about watching over. Amen? That's why the Bible talks about respect those, those who are your leaders, those who are your overseers. And what is it going to say? It says, for they watch over your souls. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the different things we've been called to watch over. And, and they're varying degrees of watching. Amen? If you're a parent, you're called to watch over your children, aren't you? If you're a headmaster, you're called to watch over your school. If you're a husband, you're called to watch over your wife. Amen? So there's watching and there's watching over. And God wants us to receive this calling. If he's called us to be watchmen, we need to understand what it's all about and we need to respond to God. I love, I love this concept of Shema. It's to guard or to keep. It emphasizes the preserving and guarding aspect of a prophet's ministry. And it's needed for every church, by the way. It identifies that spiritual authority, that prophetic authority, which acts as a fence or a garrison around an assigned congregation. How many of you know that we need to have watchmen over this church? Amen? Okay. Um, it's important for every congregation to experience a shield. A shield from harm. A shield from attack. A shield from demonic trespassing. How many of you know that we need people who rise in this church as watchmen who will literally say, uh-uh, devil, you've got no legal right to do what you're doing. Amen? Is God calling you to be a watchman? It's one thing to be an intercessor. An intercessor will stand in the gap. It's another thing to be a watchman. A watchman intercedes, but they intercede from a place of watching. Are you understanding what I'm saying this morning? You see, I can just have routine prayers that I pray. I can have a routine ritual to stand in the gap on behalf of people, but doesn't make me a watchman. You can routinely pray certain prayers over your children, but doesn't mean you are watching over them. Because watching, the true watchman, sees first, and then they pray. Amen? They see and they hear first, and then they pray. They see and they hear, and then they report what they've seen. 
They see and they hear and then they announce and they warn. They see and they hear and then they call people to rise up to war. Are you following this morning? It's one thing to be an intercessor. It's another thing to be a watchman. You can be an intercessor without watching. You can't be a watchman without interceding. Are you following? And anyone who's a prophet is also a watchman. One of the primary functions of prophetic ministry is watching. You can't say I'm a prophet, but you don't watch. Amen? But just because you're a watchman doesn't mean you're a prophet. Is everyone following this morning? All right? It's important to understand these things. So, so it includes an interesting dimension. It includes protection from the spoilage, from the distraction, from invasion, and from the threats that result from spiritual and human trespasses in the church. This is so important. You have spiritual trespassing and you have human trespassing. There's some people who enter into a church illegally, spiritually illegally. They have, they've been assigned by the enemy to cause distraction. Amen? There's some people who come to a church with wrong motives. There's some people who try to be your friend with wrong motives. Okay? And it's important when you are watching, not just praying. That's why Jesus says, watch and pray. Problem with a lot of Christians today, they do a lot of praying, but very little watching. Everyone following? God is calling us to watch. God is calling us to watch. My question to you this morning is, how awake are you to spiritual things? How awake are you to God's agenda? Every watchman has a post. Imagine if all the security guards at your workplace, let's say you've got a big, uh, a big complex, right, where your workplace is situated. Imagine all the security guards were just in one corner having a big chat, and they're only watching over that corner. And the other posts that they're supposed to be watching over have no one. There'll be a problem. And the problem with the body of Christ today is that you've got a lot of watchmen, but they're not watching from their post. Amen? So they all gathered around thinking this is the main issue of the day, but there's no one watching from there. And there's no one watching from there. We need watchmen in all the different domains. Because we can get caught up in the political domain and we start saying, oh, there are these elections. Let's all watch. Let's all watch. Where, where's the country going? What's happening? Because we like talking politics. But I mean, if you know that right now in the domain of health, science, and technology, we need watchmen there. Because there are a lot of interesting things taking place. I was asked a number of weeks ago to speak at one of the schools in Pretoria on um, the fourth industrial revolution uh, and how to prepare our children for that. That's not a main topic I speak on, but I'm so glad they asked me to speak on that because I started researching around it and I started seeing that we need to be futurists as prophetic people. We need to be watching because if we're not clued up about that, and I'm going to do the talk sometime in the future for our church, because if we're not clued up about where the world is going, we won't know how to prepare our children. My question to you this morning is, are you preparing your children for a future that you don't even know? That's watching. And then at a, at a women's academy, a couple of weeks after that, the title I spoke on was slightly different, was preparing our women for the fourth industrial revolution. Right? And it's very important. How many of you know that if you look at the percentage of women that are in the technology industry today compared to men, it's very tiny. 
But you know that by 2030, a lot of jobs as we know them, in fact, 50% of the jobs as we know them, won't exist. And you know that a lot of those jobs, the people in those roles right now are women. Your secretarial jobs, your tellers, your till operators. So it's important today that women become more and more tech-savvy. Amen? And what I find interesting in this church, if I look at the employed people in this church, there's actually a skewed proportion of women who are involved in IT or telecoms or in technology. Raise your hand if you're a female in this church, in case people think Paul is thumb-sucking, but I know the congregation. Raise your hand if you're involved in telecommunications or IT or programming. Raise your hands. Okay? Okay? That's quite a number as a percentage of the employed people in the church. Amen? Okay. So, it's important to, to be clued up concerning current affairs. To be clued up in terms of where is the country going. It's important that we are true watchmen who pray spiritual prayers, but we also pray with intelligence so that we understand this is where the world is going and we are watching over the different domains. Are you getting something this morning? Okay. So how awake are you to spiritual things? Are you praying for the nations while someone is robbing your backyard? Are you praying, crying out, Lord, save all these marriages. Oh, look at all these young people. Oh, they're going through these divorces. They're going through this. When the enemy is coming and he's doing something in your own marriage. How alert are you concerning the enemy's strategy against you? God is calling us to watch. Do this to the person next to you. Just go. <laughs> I can see the people who've done it before. I can see the people who aren't used to it. <laughs> in Mark chapter 13, verse 33 to 37, Jesus says, Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Look how many times the word watch is used in this short passage. It's just about four verses. But look how many times the word watch is actually used there. So Jesus, when he repeats a particular word, he's emphasizing something, isn't he? He's saying, watch. And when he says, wait, you don't know when the master is coming. This is an interesting one. Because number one, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. I don't know if you know. I know there's some prophets out there who think they know. And Jesus himself says, no one knows the day or the hour. Amen. But it's also speaking of, we don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when we're going to go. We don't know when we're going to die. Look what's just happened with Pastor Tuffy. And it's nice when we look at his life and we're like, sure, you know what? He made his life count. He spent most of his time just serving God, doing kingdom things. I remember I would sometimes go and we'd be having a catch-up at Mug and Bean. And there's Pastor Tuffy. He starts witnessing to one of the waiters. I'm thinking, okay, let's keep focused. Let's keep focused. This is why we're meeting, you know? No, in fact, I, I loved it. I loved seeing that. And to be like, I'm going to check up on you. I'm going to follow up, right? He made his life count. 
To be honest with you right now, if you say to me, Paul, um, is there more stuff you need to write on? Are there more books you need to produce? Of course there are. There's a lot of creativity in me. But right now as I'm standing here, I kind of feel like, you know what? There's so much stuff I've poured out. There are a lot of messages that the Lord has given me I've poured out. If I was to die today right now, I wouldn't be thinking to myself, ah, oh, yeah, but no, I should have written many more books and ah, oh, yeah, I missed out on this. I'm just being honest, okay? Some of you, God has called to do great things. He's called you to write that book. He's called you to write that song. You don't want to live in a place of regret, ladies and gentlemen, when you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, there are a million and one things I would have wanted to do. Amen? You want to do it because you don't know. You don't know when it's going to be. Yes, we all want to live till we are 90 or 100 with good health. You know, that's it. One day I prophesied over someone who was one of the pastors in a previous church, and I, was in, I thought I was encouraging him, and I was saying, you know what, I just have this picture of you, and I can see you as an old man walking around. I can just see it. You're going to live a long life. And he just said to me, yes, and I hope that comes with good health. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Because there are many old people today, and they're like, you know what, they, they actually want to die. They would rather die than be in a situation where they feel like they're being a burden on people. Amen. So let's believe God for a long life, but with good health. Okay? Remember I said we need to be specific when it comes to praying. So each time you say, Lord, give me a long life, also say, Lord, with good health. All right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, it says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So there are many people around us sleeping, but it says, let us watch and be sober. That word sober there speaks of not being drunk, number one, but it also speaks of being alert. I like being alert. I don't want to ever be in a space where I feel like I'm under the influence of anything else except the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to be sharp in the Spirit. I want to be alert if he's giving me a word for someone, if I need to be now in prayer mode, if I need to pray in the Spirit. If I, I want to be open to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be under the influence of anything else or anyone else, by the way. You have some people who are controlling people. Okay? It says, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. Sadly, some are drunk during the day. But anyway... But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. If we're not truly watching in the spirit, you know what will happen? We'll pray wonderful prayers, but in the wrong direction. Do you remember that song by Oliver Mtukudzi about the, the right direction? Right? You'll be praying prayers that are going in the wrong direction. Amen? Because you're not watching first and then praying from place of watching. We'll give people comfort as they know that we are watching. But we won't get the necessary results in the day of trouble. Because we are watching in the wrong direction. We're praying in the wrong direction. So we are called to watch different things. We're called to watch what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is about to do. Like if I were to come to you and say, do you know what God is about to do in this church? Are you aware of it? If you're a watchman, you'll be aware. This is what God wants to do. This is where God is taking us. And those of us who are true watchmen need to be communicating what we are seeing. And then everyone is on the same page. 
I'm telling you right now, this is a great church to be a part of because of what God is about to birth. Amen? So we are called to watch what the Lord is doing and what he's about to do in the church. We're called to watch what he's about to do in our lives. And when I talk about our lives, I'm talking about your organization. Some of you lead organizations. Some of you are leaders within organizations. Do you know what God is about to do? Not what you're about to do. Of course you know what you're about to do. You know what your plans are. Do you know what's on God's agenda for your business right now? We're called to watch. What is God doing in my family? What is God about to do with my children? We're called to watch. Amen? We're also called to watch what God is about to do in the world. What is God's agenda? What is he about to birth? What are some of the latest prophetic words coming out concerning what God is doing in 2020? How many of you have read up on some of these things? How many of you have judged the prophecies? And that's why as we preach messages, we want to prepare people for 2020. And that's why it will be good to be at Ignite this Friday because that's where very often the prophetic is released over our lives concerning where things are going. Amen? Watchmen are very interested, not just in what God is doing, but what God is going to do. Amen? We're also called, sadly so, to watch out for the enemy's strategy against us. God has got a plan for you. Ephesians 2 is so powerful. It talks about how God has, we've been recreated in Christ Jesus, right, to do works, good works, that he already prepared in advance for us to do. So there are works God has prepared in advance for us to do. But how many of you know that the enemy is afraid of what God wants to birth in your life? If you look in the book of Revelation, you will notice that the, the dragon, the enemy, was going after not the woman. He was interested in the woman because the woman had a child. So the enemy's interest is not just in what you're currently doing. The enemy's interest is in what you're about to birth. Amen? And very often he wants to abort that which is about to be birthed. That's why some of you, you've had wonderful dreams, but you get discouraged. And the discouragement is coming directly from the enemy. Amen? My wife was talking about heaviness. How many of you know that the spirit of heaviness causes us to be paralyzed? When you're feeling heavy, you're not about to jump up and say, I'm going to do great exploits for the Lord. When you're feeling heavy, you're not about to sit down and say, oh, I want to now write that song. Those of you write playing the keyboard, okay? You're not. When someone is depressed, they're not active. When someone is depressed, they're not like, ooh, I'm just ready to go. If you speak to someone who's experiencing depression or burnout, what do they say? They say, I'm feeling so teary. I didn't want to get out of bed. The enemy's strategy against us is to disable us from doing what God has called us to do. Amen? So what is the enemy's strategy against you as an individual? What is the enemy's strategy against you as a leader? What is the enemy's strategy against your marriage? Here's the interesting thing. Very often he's used the strategy before. And the strategies he'll tend to use against you today is what he used yesterday because he knows it will work. The enemy is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. But he's got a fairly good memory. 
And those same demons that caused marital problems in your life five years ago, guess what happens? Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? It says, and the enemy left him until an opportune time. In other words, the enemy was going to come back again and try and tempt Jesus. Amen? So where do you typically get tripped up in your life? Look at that. Look at those patterns and say to yourself, this is the enemy strategy against me. Maybe when you go to new levels, yes, there are bigger devils. And maybe there are other demons that come and they are different types of temptation. But a good place to start off with is, what do my wife and I usually argue about? Because you'll find next week, the enemy strategy will be to go back to that same thing. Have you noticed you don't argue about new things? I counsel lots of couples, as you know, and we sit down and like, I'm like, you know what? When I look at all your marriage destroyers, I'm just seeing one theme, actually. These things, don't be discouraged. These things are all related. It's these two key issues you guys have. Yes, yes, it's actually just these two key issues. And the many arguments you say you have, can you see that it's a repeat of those same two key issues? Yes, yes, that's the enemy strategy against your marriage. Amen? People are looking at me with serious faces, those knowing looks, like, okay, but yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't say it's easy, just because it's two issues. Doesn't make it easier. Just makes it less complicated. So we are called to watch out for the enemy's strategy against us. We are also called to watch ourselves. You know, the Bible says that if anyone, if you catch a brother or a sister in sin, you who are, Galatians 6, you who are spiritual should restore them, but do it gently, watching yourself, lest you also fall into that sin. Amen? We're called to watch ourselves. When was the last time you assessed yourself? One of the greatest skills any maturing Christian should have, any maturing leader should have, is self-assessment. One of the marks of great teams is self-assessment. The team doesn't wait until the halftime pep talk from the coach. The team is already saying, guys, you're not passing. Guys, you see them talking on the pitch. That's why it's important in any soccer team to have a player coach. You know what we mean by a player coach? Okay, a, a player who's more experienced than the other players and on the pitch, they're literally guiding them and helping them out. Self-assessment for a team is really important, but self-assessment for an individual is really important. It's so easy giving feedback to individuals who are already giving themselves feedback. You know what I'm talking about, right? The kind of person who's already watching themselves and they can say before you've even said it to them, they're already saying, you know what my weakness is. Unlike this one guy at one workshop I was doing, one seminar I was doing, and I said, so guys, let's talk about your weaknesses. Can you make a list of your weaknesses, please? And one guy comes to me, a guy, a manager in a company, and he comes to me and he's like, hey, I'm struggling with this one. I'm struggling. Hey, weaknesses. I'm struggling to come up with any. Okay? That's a bit of a problem, isn't it? So we are called to watch what the Lord is doing and what he's about to do in the church, in our lives, and in the world. And don't leave any domain out. Some people are called to certain domains, others to other domains. We're called to watch out for the enemy's strategy against us. And we're also called to watch ourselves. To watch ourselves. You know that when we pray the prayer uh, in the Our Father and we say, Lord, lead us not into temptation. That's a form of watching yourself, isn't it? It's saying, saying, I'm going to be careful in this particular area. You're watching yourself. A lot of times people fall into the trap 
of sin because they weren't watching. They weren't watching themselves. They were conceited. What, what do we mean by conceit? What's the definition of conceit? When you think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's what conceit is. When you have a higher estimation of yourself than you ought. Amen? And by the way, on average, according to research, women tend to have a lower estimation of themselves in terms of their performance. So let's say there's, a, there's something that's done and a man does it and a woman does it and the outcome objectively is the same. A woman will go off on average, law of averages, and will be like, oh, I think it was terrible. I think it was terrible. And the same output, a guy will be like, good, good stuff. Yeah, I know it was good. And we see it with our kids when it comes to exams. Because our boys come out of the exam and they're like, good. You say to them, how was the exam? Good. It was really good. Easy. And then you see the girls, they come out and some of them are in tears. I speak to some of the moms. It's like, oh, my daughter was like crying. Oh. And you see her coming out in the top 10. Okay. <laughs> so when a lady generally, just general guideline, when a lady comes up to you and says, I don't think I can do this. Take it with a pinch of salt. She probably can. And sorry, guys, I'm not just trying to be popular with the women, but sorry, guys, when a guy comes and says, Pastor, I've got this. Got it. Take that with a pinch of salt, too. I've seen it. You even see it in ministry. <laughs> okay. So it's one thing to intercede. It's another thing to intercede from a watchman mindset and mentality. Amen. Failing to watch has consequences. Failing to watch has consequences. You might say, Paul, watching is a nice to have. Uh-uh, it's not just a nice to have. If you're not a watchman yourself, it's important to have people watching over you and having watchmen around you. Amen? It's really important. Matthew 26, verse 40 to 41. Then Jesus returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Jesus returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Is Jesus returning to you and finding you sleeping? You know, that's one of the impacts of witchcraft, by the way. A spirit of slumber. And you'll see it many times. You'll see people really wide awake when it comes to watching their soccer. Wide awake. I, I don't know if I've ever fallen asleep watching soccer. But I know I've fallen asleep while I'm praying. Are you, are you feeling me? Okay. I remember when we used to have devotions growing up. They won't mind me sharing this. When we used to have devotions growing up. And I remember my, my, my older brother and my dad. Sometimes they'll be so active. My dad was an entrepreneur. They'll be talking business, talking a lot, actively, really talking, engaged. And then we'll say, okay, now we're going to have devotions. And then we start having devotions and then I see, like, my brother and my dad. Yeah. It's like, and then my dad will mention it, you know, because they start falling asleep. I'm like, what's going on here? You guys were so active just now. Now we're having devotions and you're starting to feel sleepy. Amen? I'm not going to go deep into it, but, but the spirit of witchcraft against you sometimes causes slumber. There's a link between the two. Okay? But that's, not, that's for another day. But it's the enemy's strategy to cause us to sleep. And sometimes there's spiritually induced sleep. Amen? There's warfare around you keeping awake. 
I'm not talking about normal sleepiness. If you're only having a few hours of sleep each day, it's normal. If you're now trying to stay up, of course you'll fall asleep. I'm talking about where you are very active in certain environments. And when you go to certain parties, you're the life of the party and you're the one telling all the stories. But in an all-night prayer meeting, you struggle to keep awake. But it's the same person. It's the same Friday. <laughs> Why? Why? The enemy doesn't want us to be alert and to be watching. Amen? There's spiritually induced fatigue where you feel tired and it's not normal. Amen? Sometimes my, my kids will fight with me. Want, well they will, don't fight about it as such, but they'll really persuade me because they want to stay up longer, especially if they're playing computer games. And they're wide awake and there's lots of noise in the, round, in the house when it's computer games. Then the other times I'm having devotions with them and I'm in their rooms and so on. And they're like, dad, dad, please, please pray, pray, please, please, please. We want to go to sleep. We're so tired. Please just pray. And then when my wife is the one doing devotions, she tends to pray for longer. <laughs> then they give her feedback and they say, when dad prays, he just prays quick, short prayers, mom. But with you... You pray about this and this person there and this and this country and all these other things. So they want things fast-tracked when it's spiritual things. Let's be honest, eh? But when it comes to other things that they enjoy, they don't want it fast-tracked. So this is not a problem that started today. Jesus had to address it. And he did it so graciously. And he says, were you not able to keep watch with me for one hour? Some of you struggle just 20 minutes keeping watch. 15 minutes keeping watch. And Jesus is like, were you guys not able to keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The body is weak. That's our problem. We have to come to a place where our spirit dominates our soul and our body. Amen? For a lot of people, it's the other way around. It's body first. They just do all sorts of stuff. Then they realize later, what happened? It's body first, then it's soul. And then later on, maybe, perhaps, it's spirit. Part of praying in the spirit, part of building your prayer muscle, is that you end up being a person where you are more spiritually minded and spiritually alert than you are conscious of your flesh. Amen? You're in touch with what God is saying that even your own hunger, especially during times of fasting. Amen? You're spirit conscious as a person. And that's where God is taking us as watchmen. Amen. So there are consequences to not watching. And one of those consequences is you end up falling into temptation. What is God calling you to watch? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I remember growing up, I would go to Christian camps and I remember some guys were playing soccer or playing something on a particular field. And they said to one guy called Doug, they said, Doug, you're in our way. You're just like walking across the field and we're trying to play this game. 
And I still remember Doug, who became one of my prefects at school. And I remember he was walking very slowly and sluggishly on this particular field. And he just said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay. So some of you do that on purpose. People ask you, can you do A, B, C, D for me? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God is taking us to a place in our walk with him where the spirit is willing and the spirit commands our souls to do stuff. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Amen? It's an act of the will. Being a watchman is an act of the will. As you go into the holiday period, is your spirit going to be in charge? Or is it going to be your flesh? And this business of being led by the world, just because the world overeats during Christmas time, doesn't mean you have to. Where did we get this thing? You know, where we give ourselves permission. Ah, it's, fest, it's time of festivity. Therefore, I will do this. And let me not even talk about drinking. You know, there's some people who, you then say, do you have a drinking problem? Ah, no, it's only during the holidays. Be very careful about the enemy's strategy against you. Because sometimes the enemy will actually use certain times and seasons. And you find you actually backslide during those times. Why don't you be more spiritual during times of festivity. You know that right now we're going into Advent. You know, you know, those of you from traditional church backgrounds, what is Advent? It's that time leading up to Christmas, right? 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 We're going into that period. That's a time to be reflecting, to be appreciating the Lord Jesus, that he actually came, the incarnation of God himself, where God came as man. Amen? It's not a time to backslide. I felt I needed to say that. If the shoe fits, please wear it. And don't worry, we're not going to be judging you. When we meet again on the 5th of January, we're not going to be looking and seeing like, okay, uh, this one, uh, this one was okay. Uh, this one, uh, what were you eating, y'all? We're not going to be doing that. Matthew 24, verse 42 to 44. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Sometimes you wish that. How many of you have been burgled before? Okay? We're not glorifying having been burgled, okay? One guy in one of my seminars this week, he was saying, my problem is I don't listen well. When my friends start talking about their pain, I want to outpain them. You know those people who don't really listen to you? It's like, oh yeah, you know, my brother was involved in an accident. Oh, oh, my sister was involved in an accident. What happened in your case? Oh, in our case, it was even worse. And you're trying to outpain each other, okay? So if you've been involved in a burglary, very often you kind of wish you were awake at the time, don't you? I remember there was a time we were burgled, and it had been a season where I was um, getting up extremely early in terms of prayer. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, because I just stopped doing that at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, if I had just been awake, then I would have caught the thieves. Amen? If I, if I had stayed awake praying or if I would gotten up early to pray, I would have caught the thieves. If you know that the thieves are coming on a particular day, you'll be watching. So God is calling us to watch at all times. And the problem with a lot of intercessors is they only pray when they're in trouble. They're retrospective in their prayers. Seriously. When you're a watchman, you pray prophetically. 
You're not like, oh, my child is backsliding. Now I'm going to start praying strong prayers. I'm going to start fasting strong fasting. Many Christians live like that. That's not a watchman. Amen? God is calling us to a place where we watch, where we see the trends, we see the patterns, where God speaks to us and says, oh, watch in this area. And we pray in advance so that the thing doesn't actually happen. Amen? Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Revelation 3. I'm going to read verse 2 to 3. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I've, I've not found your works perfect before God. So imagine Jesus is saying this, the Spirit of Jesus, to one of the churches. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, what are the consequences? I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. That's quite scary, isn't it? A powerful prayer to pray is this. Open my eyes, Lord, to see ahead into the future and know things to come over my family, over our church over my business. Are you a watchman over your business? How many business people do we have here? Some of you don't want to raise your hands. You'll be like, you know, people might think I'm showing off that I'm a business person. It's okay. There are different levels of business, right? You can be a guy with a tuck shop selling sweets. You can be a guy with a multi-million rand business and so on. It's fine. You're still a business person. Amen. All right? Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see ahead. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see ahead. Are you a watchman over your business? Are you a watchman over the institution of marriage in the nation? The Lord was challenging me on this. He was challenging me on this. That perhaps I'm a watchman over the institution of marriage in a nation or in nations. So instead of just trying to help couples, I need to start warning people to actually say, you know what? When you don't honor the institution of marriage, this is where society is going to go. There's a book I have uh, written by someone. It's in my library, and it's called Marriage on Trial. And it's basically talking about how people are trying to change and redefine what marriage is. How many of you know that God is calling us to be prophetic voices, to be a prophetic voice protecting the institution of marriage? That's a watchman thing, isn't it? Some of you have been called to be watchmen in science and technology because where the world is going, ladies and gentlemen, when you think of some of the health issues we're going to face, issues like cloning, you know, to what extent can we modify people's genes? Where is it okay? Where is it not okay? Is it okay when we're trying to protect people from health issues that their parents had? But how much modification can we actually do? God is calling watchmen to rise up to see the end of some of these things and to write and to speak concerning some of these things. Amen? And when you're a watchman, God is calling you to be for people, not against them. God is calling us to be a church that's not against the city, but we're for the city. You know, you have some churches that are against the city, right? God is calling us to be a church that is for the city. He's not calling us to be a church that's just in the city, not making a difference. He's not calling us to be a church that's like the city. 
He's calling us to be a church that is for the city, even though we're not like the city. Amen? There are different types of watchmen. There are different types of watchmen. In Isaiah 56, verse 10, it says, His watchmen are blind. That's, that's, a, that's a scary thought, isn't it? How many of you would get a security guard to be at your house, but the security guard is blind? Say, come, can you? I'm sure it's one of the basic things they look at when they hire someone to be a security guard. They have to look at the person's sight. There's certain jobs where sight is important. If you're a pilot, when I get onto that, that plane, I want to make sure that the pilot can see. There are many of us who would dis be disqualified when it comes to being a pilot. Amen? Because our eyesight might not be that great. His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. Your seeing will give you knowledge. The sight of a watchman gives the watchman knowledge about what's happening. Amen? When your eyes are sharpened in the spirit, you gain more knowledge and insight as a watchman. My question to you this morning is, how good is your seeing? Wherever you are, in Joburg, how good is your seeing? Watching online, how good is your seeing? Here in Centurion, how good is your seeing? Because your seeing will determine your knowledge. If a watchman who's a lookout is, is, is looking, but their eyesight is not good. And back in the day, they didn't have glasses and contact lenses like we do now, right? If their seeing is not good, the enemy will already be here on your doorstep. And you're like warning everyone now. Hey, the enemy has come. The enemy has come. And then you're attacked. So you wanted someone who's got 20-20 vision. Sharp vision. You can't say, I'm a watchman, but you're blind spiritually. Amen? His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs, unable to bark. That's another function of a watchman. There's the seeing, and then there's the warning. It's pointless having someone who's a watchman, but they can't cry out and warn the people and say, hey, take cover. Amen? So a watchman has to be able to see, a watchman has to be able to hear, and a watchman has to be able to speak so that they can inform and they can warn. Amen. I'm telling you right now, if you want prayers that get results, they have to be prayers that are mixed with watching. Goes on to say, all of them are mute dogs, unable to bark, dreamers lying down who love to slumber. Let me just say something very quickly. If you want to go to your next level in prayer, you can't be someone who loves sleep too much. Yeah, and it's important to actually get comfortable with that. I'm not saying don't get enough sleep, but I'm saying don't be too in love with your sleep. You know, the, you know the, those people where it's like they've had enough sleep, but they need to now hug their pillow and... The sleep is so juicy. It's one thing to have a lie in when you need to have a lie in. But one of the things I've learned about the ministry of intercession is if you want to be effective, you can't be addicted to too much sleep. Amen? We're busy people, aren't we? There are things we have to do. One of those things is praying. And if I can't get up when the Lord says, get up, 
I'll have a problem if I want to be a watchman or an intercessor. Amen. Okay? And sometimes we have to make these decisions to actually say, as I go into 2020, what's my relationship with sleep going to be like? Now, there's some of you here who need more sleep than you're actually getting. You're not, you're not sleeping properly. But there's some of you here where you're addicted to sleep. Amen? Now, don't feel bad the next time you want to lie in. I'm not saying you can't have a lie in. But if the shoe fits and if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, just receive it. Just receive it. Okay? Now, I mentioned to you the different types of watchmen. And I want to share with you these different types. The first is the slumbering watchman. You can be called to be a watchman, but you're a slumbering watchman. You see, some watchmen sleep on duty because they didn't get rest beforehand. You know what I'm talking about, right? I remember when we were growing up at home, from time to time we would have security guards. And I remember I used to be on duty very often to make them coffee or hot chocolate. And we would get these big, big beer mugs and we would put the hot chocolate in there. And I remember I would go out to the staircase outside and I would want to give them their coffee. We would feel sorry for them, like, yo, this dude is going to be here all night just chilling. We'll take out a chair for him to sit, and then at a certain point, maybe at about 9 o'clock, we would go and we would give them coffee. And you know what I would often find, unfortunately? I'd have to wake the guy up. <laughs> Imagine that I'm this young boy, and I'm going out, and I'm feeling sorry for this guy, and I've just made him coffee. We were four boys growing up, no girls, right? So when it comes to cleaning stuff, when it comes to domestic certain things, I can do it, right? I've got no problem doing it. And so I went gave him the coffee, but I would first have to maybe nudge him a bit or stand there, you know. I would greet the person. I'm like, no response. <laughs> greet them again. There's a bit of a problem if someone is a watchman, but they're sleeping. Amen? God is calling us to be alert. God is calling us to be watching. And, and the sad thing is that a large portion of the body of Christ is sleeping. Spiritually. Secondly, you have the distracted watchmen. They're distracted. It's possible to be spiritually unfit because we're putting too much energy into worldly things. So we're distracted with all sorts of other things and God's kingdom isn't a priority. You're called to be a watchman, but if you're honest with yourself, certain things have become a distraction. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? He's calling us to keep the main thing, the main thing. Thirdly, is what I call a disoriented watchman. A disoriented watchman. There's a watchman who's looking, but they're looking in the wrong direction. Have you noticed that we're all looking at something, but sometimes we're looking at the wrong stuff. Sometimes when you're disorientated, you actually don't know where you are. You know when you lose your bearings. You know when you're like, but I've been to this place before, but you've lost your bearings. You think you're going north, but you're actually going south. Ever been there? Those of you who aren't good with directions, happens to all of us. And you know what the sad thing is? A lot of people like that feeling of disorientation. 
lot of people like feeling dizzy. There's some people like that. One of my kids, I don't know what, they were playing outside and they came in and they were like, mom, 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 I'm feeling dizzy. This is cool. I'm feeling dizzy. And I remember my wife going like, ooh, this is concerning me. <laughs> remember there were songs like that. Dizzy, my head is spinning. Remember that song, right? Oh, okay. We, I'm dating myself now, clearly. <laughs> some people like that. How disorientated are you as a watchman? Fourthly, you have the ill-equipped watchman. The ill-equipped watchman. Do you ever have it where you have a guy and he's just got a little baton? And then there are these armed robbers that come. And you're thinking to yourself, how will this person defend us? Yes, we've got a security guard, but he's just got a little baton. You know what I'm talking about, Right? I don't want to scare you, but how many of you were in the church a number of years ago when there was the ATM robbery that happened here, the shopping center? How many of you were here? It was just a few years ago. Look, look at the <laughs> Interesting, hey? It's our church, sorry, it works in cycles. But anyway, about three years ago, there was actually an armed robbery and they, they exploded um, uh, one of the ATMs here. And it was early Sunday morning. So we arrived, we used to pray at 6.30, we used to have a, a leadership prayer meeting. So we arrive early and we see the whole place barricaded. And so I was concerned, I was like, how are people going to come to church? How are they going to come for church if it's barricaded? They said, no, they're not allowed to come to church because it's a crime scene. I'm like, come on, come on. And I think we prayed about it or something, and we still had the service. But the guys who were involved in this, I think maybe they were ex-military or something, right? Because they knew what they were doing. So we had some guys from one of these companies, these security companies. I don't want to mention names in case I get the name wrong, right? And these guys, as they escaped, they, um, they were firing bullets at the guy's wheels. You know, like in the movies. They weren't aiming for the person, the wheel. And so one of these security companies, you know, it's like the car obviously stopped and so on. But these were experts. They knew what they were doing. But the point I want to make is if you've got people coming with explosives, with fancy guns, etc., and you've got security guards who've just got a little baton, it's a bit of a problem. And that's the problem with a lot of watchmen today. They're ill-equipped. They're ill-equipped. They don't know what their spiritual weapons are. The enemy is coming in in multiple directions. And these guys don't, they're not educated spiritually. They're biblically illiterate. They don't know how to rebuke the enemy. If you're a watchman, it's important to get the weapons of righteousness that God has called you to use in order to do spiritual warfare. And by the way, you cannot separate the watchman calling from spiritual warfare. Amen? So they're looking out, but they don't have the correct weapons. Number five, you have fearful watchmen. They look, they see, but instead of warning everyone, they run away. Have you ever had that where you have security guards running away? <laughs> because they're fearful. And some of you are running away from the enemy instead of running to him and rebuking him. Amen? Some of you are scared of the devil. I'm shocked the number of Christians that are scared of the devil. They can't cast out demons. Like, he, you, how? The devil is scared of you if you know your authority. Amen? Then you have what I call the isolated watchman. The isolated watchman. They look and they see, but they're outnumbered. There's certain intercession we need to engage in, but not by ourselves, but as a group. Amen? 
The seventh one is the conceited watchman. They watch and they see, but they minimize and they rationalize the danger away. You know those people who are like, yeah, 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 a crisis? What crisis? Amen? Remember there was the one political leader who said that once, way back in the day, when we were talking about HIV, AIDS, and so on, and they said, and someone said, the AIDS crisis, and they said, crisis? What crisis? Okay? Are you that person who's become nonchalant? about some of the crises that we are facing today. You've become relaxed about some of the issues of the day. You're like, ah, it's fine. What, what are they lobbying about? What are they petitioning about? Ah, it's okay. And those are the laws that are going to control our children. But we sit back and relax. Amen? And then finally, you've got the faithful watchmen. They're active and they're alert on duty. So if you say to me, I'm a prophet to the nations, like Jeremiah, for example, right? Then are you, are you being a watchman for those nations? When did you last pray with passion for those nations based on what God was showing you? Amen? So there are implications when we talk about being a watchman. So the way I'm going to land my message... I want to very quickly give you some characteristics of a watchman. And when you see these characteristics, you can say to yourself, this is where I need to up my game, and this is where I'm already sorted. Are you ready? Number one, a watchman sees first, then informs or warns. A watchman sees first, then informs or warns. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 17, it says, Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came. And he said, I see a company. And Joram said, Take a horseman and send him to meet them, and let him say, Is it peace? So my question to you is, can you see things to come? And then next, are you articulating what you need to say in order to inform the people? Can you see that? A watchman sees first, and then they inform and warn. Secondly, a watchman belongs to someone or something. You can't just say, I'm a watchman, and you just float around. When you're saying, I'm a watchman, I'll say, for whom are you a watchman? So we see in this scripture here, in 1 Samuel 14, verse 16, it says, Now Saul's watchman. In other words, Saul had watchmen. Are you a watchman for the church? Are you a watchman for your family? Are you a watchman for your business? Are you a watchman for your industry? Can you see their levels of watching? Maybe God has just called you to watch over your business. And now in 2020, he's going to say, I'm calling you to be a watchman over your industry. I remember recently, God gave me a word for a particular person who's in a particular type of business in the health industry. And I remember the word was basically that what God is doing in your business, it's not just about your business, but you're literally getting a blueprint for your industry. God is calling you to be a watchman over your industry, some of you. I'm now speaking prophetically, hey? When I share these points, I'm speaking prophetically. So if what I say applies to you, just receive it. And there'll be an activation in that particular area. For some of you, God is calling you and he's given you a blueprint for your industry. 
but you've just been focusing on your business. And as you bless your industry with your prayers and with your watching, watch this space when it comes to your individual business. Are you hearing me this morning? Thirdly, we must be dependent on the Lord and not on our own ability to watch. In Psalm 127 verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, is the Shema over the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So God is the one who keeps us awake. God is the one who helps us to watch. I cannot strive in my own strength and say, I'm this great watchman over the church. Because I can watch over the church however long I want to watch over it. But unless God is doing the watching ultimately, and I'm representing him, I'm watching as he watches. Unless God is involved, I'm doing it in vain. Amen? Unless God is watching over your family, you can do your own version of watching. You're watching in vain. Unless God is watching over your children, you're watching in vain. Amen. This is so important. Number four, a watchman is active in spiritual warfare. Watching and warfare go hand in hand. In Jeremiah 51 verse 12, it says, lift up, the, lift up a signal against the walls of Babylon. Post a strong guard. Some watchmen are not strong. Station sentries, plural. Place men in ambush, for the Lord has both purposed and performed what he spoke concerning the inhabitants of Babylon. So whenever it was a time for war, it wasn't just, hey, send out these guys fighting men. It was also post someone who's going to stand as a lookout. Watching and warfare go hand in hand. I feel sorry for you if you're doing a lot of warfare without watching. I feel for you. Number five, true watchmen are spiritually perceptive. A true watchman is spiritually perceptive. What do I mean by that? They can interpret patterns and they can interpret trends. They apply their knowledge and their intelligence. They've got an understanding of what's happening today. And I'll show you in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 24 to 27. It says here, Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall. Now, now, just look at this and look at how clued up this person was, how perceptive he was. And he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running by himself. The watchman called and told the king. When God raises you up as a watchman, sometimes you have to warn kings. When God promotes you as a watchman, sometimes you have a message and a report for kings. Amen? The watchman called and told the king, and the king said, if he is by himself, there is good news in his mouth. And he came nearer and nearer. Then the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the gatekeeper. I mean, if you know, we have gatekeepers of the different domains. And said, behold, another man running by himself. And the king said, this one also is bringing good news. The watchman said, look at it. The watchman is also a bit of an advisor. I think the running of the first one is like the running of Ahimaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, this is a good man and comes with good news. Can you see the power of watching 
and giving information. The watchman is not the decision maker, but the watchman informs. If you're a prophetic person in this church, don't feel you're the one who has to make things happen. Amen? You're the one who informs. You're the one who says, this is what I saw. And once you've informed, you've done your job. Instead of trying to now say, pastor, this is what I saw. I saw this. So pastor, have you done it yet? Why haven't you done it? Because I'm feeling it so strongly in my spirit. Oh, it's like I could jump up and down. Just because you felt it so strongly doesn't mean you're responsible to make it happen. Amen? And that's how prophets and apostles work hand in hand. Because the prophetic person sometimes sees things so vividly. It's like they want to just run with it. Your job as a watchman is to see, to hear, and to inform. Amen? And look how they worked hand in hand. This watchman worked with gatekeepers. This watchman worked with a king. And the king was able to make a sound decision. Isn't that powerful? Okay? Number six, watchmen know how to report what they see and hear. In Isaiah 21 verse 6, it says, For thus says the Lord to me, Go, station the lookout. Let him report what he sees. You don't have to make it happen. Your job is to report. <coughs> Number seven, God is also a watchman over us. Isn't that wonderful? My wife preached a powerful message some time back called The Lord Who Sees or The God Who Sees. Do you remember that? Okay, many of you were here. It was, wasn't too long ago. In Isaiah chapter 27, verse 3, it says, I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment so that no one will damage it. I guard it night and day. And that word keeper means to watch, to guard, or to keep. My question to you this morning is, are you guarding what God is guarding? This is so important if you're a leader. This is so important if you're a parent. This is so important if you're a business owner. All leaders have a watchman role. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. When you are watching over people, you are accountable because you are watching over that which God is watching over. Amen? You're doing it for him. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So we are called to watch with a shepherd's heart. We're called to watch with a shepherd's heart. Number eight, true watchmen are called and appointed to a post. And I ask you that question, what's your post? If you say, Paul, I'm a watchman, what's your post? Who are you watching over? And who's appointed you to do so? Jeremiah 6 verse 17, it says, And I set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not listen. So watchmen, very often, just like prophets, they get rejected. But God has still set them. I set watchmen over you. Are you trying to put yourself over people, or has God set you over them? Be very careful. Don't force yourself over people if God hasn't set you over them. Amen? This is so powerful if we understand this. In Ezekiel 3 verse 17, it says, Son of man, I've appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Listen very carefully this morning. If God 
has called you to be a watchman, if he's setting you as a watchman, you need to know where he's setting you up as a watchman. You need to know your post. For Ezekiel, it was the house of Israel. And he says, whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. Are you watching at your post or are you watching at someone else's post? Are you watching at your post or are you watching at someone else's post? Number nine, watching is a function of prophetic ministry. How many of you believe you're called into the prophetic? Whether, you, whether you're just a, you're a, prof, a very prophetic person or you're a prophet. Can I see your hands? Nice. Okay, okay. I'm seeing hands up. I'm seeing certain hands up. Okay, I saw your hands. I'll tell my wife afterwards. Good. Certain people where I didn't know. Okay. Hosea in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over Ephraim. Isn't that powerful? So prophets are watchmen. Prophetic people should be watching. And then it says, Yet snares await him on all his paths, and hostility in the house of his God. <laughs> so it comes with rejection. One of the tests of anyone who's called into prophetic ministry is the test of rejection. So to be a true prophet, that's one of the tests you go through. And it's, it's so awesome when someone overcomes that test of rejection. Because you find you can give people a pure word and you're not always conscious of like, what will they think? Hey, I'm warning them about this, but what will they think of me? Will they still like me? To be promoted in the prophetic, it's important to overcome the fear of rejection. Amen? That's why some people stagnate in the prophetic. Because they're still worried about what people think of them. It's important to die to that. Amen? That's why I've said to you as a congregation before, your opinion of me won't affect my destiny. Trust me, it won't. I died to that way, way, way back. I've experienced lots of rejection in my life. Right? So I'm not controlled by the fear of being rejected by someone. Amen. If there's something I have to tell you, I'll tell you. Amen. So there's spiritual attacks and snares that the watchman faces, just like prophets do. Are you ready for them? Number 10, watching involves an act of the will. In Habakkuk, Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I will stand on my God. Can you see? It's an act of the will. I will stand on my God, on my God post, and station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I'm reproved. When you watch, it's an act of the will. Watching is something you have to resolve to do because of the sacrifice involved in it. It's not easy. It's not easy when I sit here and I'm thinking to myself, okay, as a church, as, as a family in my own household, we've just broken a particular, uh, we've just broken our fast. There's a particular fast we're on. We're doing a Daniel fast, right? But one of the things I've learned is that if you want a lifestyle of fasting, while you're on your current fast, you're already planning your next fast. It's not easy for me to think my next fast is going to be during the holiday period, okay? 
My next fast is going to be, it, it, it'll, be it'll run through like, um, what do you call it? New Year's, through that period. Okay, late December into early January and so on. It'll be nice just eating nice sweet things and so on while I'm watching my soccer, etc. There's a sacrifice involved in it. Are you following? But the reality is that very often those are good times to fast because it's not like you're standing up in front of people, like, you know, the nature of my job, I'm often training all day. It's not easy to fast when you're training all day. Amen? So it's an act of the will. And you're saying, you know what? I'm going to do this because I know the reward. Amen? So I want to encourage you, plan ahead, plan way in advance and make a commitment where you say, this is going to be my season of extended prayer. This is my season of extended fasting. Amen? Because if you just go with the flow, you won't do it. When family is now offering you all sorts of nice things and so on, you won't do it. You'll be like, ah, no, 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 yeah, maybe tomorrow. I don't know, let's start tomorrow actually. I don't know, and then do tomorrow. And then tomorrow never comes. Amen? It's an act of the will. Number 11, watching can take place individually and corporately. We can watch together. You know when you have vigils? We can watch together. In Matthew 26, verse 38, it says, Then he said to them, this is Jesus, My soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus was saying, keep watch with me. Let's do it together. There's individual watching and there's corporate watching. Amen? And then finally, number 12. There are blessings associated with watching. I want to encourage you this morning. If God is speaking to you about being a watchman, please know this. There's a blessing associated with watching. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They'll be filled. I mean, if you know that when you're watching, you're seeking God's face. You're waiting on the Lord. In Revelation 16, verse 15, it says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. If you're not watching, there are consequences. If you're watching, there's a blessing associated with watching. Amen. Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and you're in a space in your life where you're saying to me, Paul, you know what? I've been an intercessor. I love praying from time to time. But this watching thing, it's a whole new ball game. This watching thing is another level. If that's you this morning and you want to make a commitment and you want to say, you know what? I want to watch. I want to be that watchman. And maybe the Lord has spoken to you this morning and he's shown you a specific area, a specific field or a specific industry to watch over. just want you to stand. God would have spoken to you about it. just want you to stand where you are and you're saying, God, I'm receiving this. I'm receiving this and the sacrifice that goes with it. Just stand where you are. This is a precious thing before the Lord. And the Lord will release the grace of God. The grace of God will be released 
to activate what he's called you to. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you for speaking to me in a special way this morning. I receive my calling to be a watchman and to be at my post and to serve faithfully as a watchman, as a guard, as one who warns, as one who keeps things, as one who protects. I receive this calling to be a watchman in Jesus' mighty name. Give me the grace, Lord. Amen. Praise God. I want to pray for the church now as we close. Father, I thank you so much for this precious congregation. I thank you for the congregation here and the congregation in Johannesburg. I thank you for the congregation in Pretoria East. And I thank you for what you're doing in Go Churches and the things that you want to birth. Lord, may you open our eyes that we see. May you open our eyes that we see things to come over this nation and the nations of the world. We embrace this calling to be a watchman. May we be a watching church, Lord God. May we serve the body of Christ by watching. We open our hearts to you, Lord. We thank you for what you want to do in the ministry of intercession as we go into 2020. We thank you for the truths that you are teaching us, Lord, about prayers that get results. We thank you for this journey you're taking us on as a church in the school of advanced prayer. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and we say, come and have your way. Come and do your watchman thing. Come and raise up an army of watchmen who will faithfully watch. I pray, Father God, that where we have been, the counterfeits to true watching, where we've been the slumbering watchmen, the distracted watchmen, the disorientated watchmen, where we've been the slumbering watchmen, where we've been the watchman who's not faithful and true, we ask for your help, Lord. And we say, come and help us. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, amen and amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.